It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. I believe this episode of Discover Your Spiritual Identity is one of the most important presentations I've ever given. It's about your calling to be a watchman. Now, what is a watchman? A watchman is a protector or guard who warns others of impending danger to keep them safe or to rally them to battle, to expose the tactics of the enemy so that God's people can ready themselves and overcome. Many assign this role only to prophets or leaders in the body of Christ, but Jesus plainly indicated otherwise in Mark chapter 13. He gave a long list of prophetic things that will transpire in our day. And then toward the end of that discourse, in Mark 13, verses 35 through 37, he said these words, Watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening or at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he finds you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. That final statement in verse 37 powerfully indicates that this calling rests upon you, it rests upon me, it rests upon every other blood-washed, born-again child of God. Jesus said to his immediate disciples, what I say to you, I say to all. And that reaches all the way up into our generation. And then it was a one-word proclamation. Watch. What does it mean to watch? It means to be awake. It means to be vigilant. It means to be aware of what's happening around you. My father was a commander in the U.S. Navy, a man of authority, a man of responsibility, and he was constantly telling me and my three other siblings statements, words of wisdom that we would carry with us the rest of our lives. And one of them was this. He said, be aware of your surroundings. That may sound simplistic, but it's not when you really look at what's happening in our generation. Be aware of your surroundings. Jesus said it another way. He said, watch, be wide-eyed in wonder at what God is doing. Watch as you see prophecies unfolding right before you. Watch as you see the devil's maniacal, diabolical plan unfolding before you. But watch as the prophetic promises of God are fulfilled. Now, as I progress in this teaching, I've got to start at a good foundational beginning. So let's go to Proverbs chapter 8, verses 34 and 35. This is where wisdom is speaking. That's such a beautiful chapter in Proverbs, where wisdom, personified as a woman, is speaking to all who will hear her voice. These are the two verses I want to pull out. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, 
waiting at the posts of my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. Do you want favor from God? Do you want to experience the life of God, the regenerative, reviving life of God, pushing back the death-dealing elements of this world? Well, wisdom just gave you the answer. She said, blessed is the man who listens to me. And the word blessed means happy, supremely happy, enriched with benefits, spiritually prosperous, highly favored of God. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates. See, in a very real sense, there's two gates near your life. There's the gate of hell, Or in other words, the way in which hellish things want to invade your life, to corrupt, to destroy, to discourage, to dishearten. And there's the gate of heaven. And wisdom says you're very blessed if you watch daily at the gate where you receive words of wisdom from God. That's not just knowledge. Knowledge acquired is wonderful, but wisdom is how to apply that knowledge in a practical and powerful and even supernatural way to your life right now. When you wait on wisdom coming from God, you know what to do, you know when to do it, you know who to speak to, you know what to say, you know when to say it. You have this uncanny ability to be right on time, right on target, right on point. Jesus was that way. He said, I don't do anything except I see my Father do it first. What a powerful promise that is. Wait daily at the gates of wisdom in your life. Now, let me talk about something that happened with the early disciples in the most critical moment of Jesus' sojourn in this world. He came to the Garden of Gethsemane the night of his betrayal. The apostles didn't know that. Well, they should have. They should have picked up on all the things he had said leading up to that moment. But they weren't intensely interested enough in the seriousness of what Jesus was saying, apparently, or this never would have happened. See, he went into the Garden of Gethsemane, and he asked his disciples to watch with him to watch. He said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Stay here and watch with me. And then he went a little further off and said, oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And as he struggled in prayer, he even sweated blood. And then he came back to the disciples. And lo and behold, he found them sleeping Jesus emphasizes this theme over and over. He said in the parable of the ten virgins, there were ten virgins, five were wise and five were foolish, but they were all virtuous and they all had lamps and the lamp represents the word of God. But the foolish ones did not have oil in their vessels with their lamps, but they were all asleep. There were five wise and five foolish, but they were all asleep. And I'm concerned that most Christians are asleep. They're asleep to the importance of the hour. They're asleep to the diabolical plans of the enemy unfolding right before us. They're asleep 
to the seriousness of our role at this time. Anyway, Jesus came back and found Peter, James, and John asleep. And he said, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. What kind of temptation is Jesus talking about? What kind of temptation were they going to enter into as a result of not watching? None of them went and got drunk. None of them went out and found a prostitute. They didn't sink into debauchery, the uncleanness of drunkenness and whoredom. They didn't go into the depths of wickedness. But what were they susceptible to? What did they succumb to? They allowed fear to penetrate their hearts, and they ran when they should have stood for the truth. They recoiled in terror because they were not saturated enough with what would have been imparted to them had they watched Jesus when he prayed. And when he cried out and said, Father, not my will, but yours be done, they would have had the same mindset. They would have had the same attitude. They would not have betrayed him on a lesser level than Judas, yes. But they would not have betrayed him in his hour of need. Beware lest we do the same thing. Fear is rampant in our world. There have been many more people die of the flu than of COVID-19, this supposed pandemic that's in the world. And yet no one ever told you to be afraid of the flu. No one ever told you to be terrified that someone who had the flu might give it to you. So put a plastic divider between you. I think that's one of the most insane things that's happening right now a plastic divider between you and a cash register operator is not going to prevent a virus or a germ or a bacteria from passing out of you or out of your mouth as you talk to the person working the cash register. Is there some kind of rule of nature that when a bacteria hits a plastic divider, it doesn't go around it in the space of air that is around that divider. And besides, these masks do not prevent that. They don't protect you. Even Dr. Fossey has admitted they do not protect you from transmission of disease, especially COVID-19. So why is all of this happening? It's all about submission. It's all about breaking the will of the people. Remember, Jesus said, watch and pray, because his will was broken before the Father, but it was not broken before the people. See, that's the issue. Listen, this has been going on for a long time. 1913 is when Woodrow Wilson betrayed the entire United States of America by giving the Federal Reserve the right to print our money. And that's a lie that people believe, because it's not a federal agency, which is a government agency. It's a privately run banking institution. And it's not a reserve, because a reserve has gold or silver to back up its currency. And they just create fiat money, which is currency that has no backing. See, 
And from that point forward, our country was controlled by a group of individuals that did not have our good at heart. They have a way of deceitfully putting over on you what is really bad for you, but they make it look and sound like it's good for you, like fluoride in your water systems. Oh, it's been touted as being so wonderfully beneficial to you because it will help you uh, prevent tooth decay. No, it's not about that. Do you know who the first person was that used fluoride in a water system? Adolf Hitler. Go check the history out yourself. He found out if he put fluoride, which is a poisonous substance, it's the byproduct of the production of fertilizer, the byproduct of the production of aluminum also. And he found out if you put it in the water system of the death camps, then it would dumb down the people where they would be less resistant against the Nazis doing what they planned to do to the poor people that were carried off to their concentration camps. Yes, Hitler used fluoride in the water systems to dumb down the people. Why do you think it's in the water systems of most of the cities of the United States of America? You go figure. You go figure. Because drinking water doesn't get fluoride on your teeth as much as it does a carcinogenic substance in your body. We need to understand this has been a long-term plan to subvert the United States of America and to rob us of our sovereignty and our freedom. That's what this imposed vaccination will do an RNA vaccination that can disrupt your DNA, that can introduce into you something that would be disruptive to your whole system. And there can be nanoparticles in, injected into your system that have no, uh, an effect that you will never know about. You need to watch and pray. You need to be watchmen warning this generation what's really at stake. There's diabolical plans on a high level of an invisible government, a shadow government that wants you under their control. Let me get back to my message. I'm very stirred up. I'm very troubled because God spoke to me four times audibly audibly in the last four months. The first time he spoke to me, he woke me up early in the morning and he said, trade wars. And I watched as that transpired over the next month or two. Trade wars. And it will intensify in the years to come because the way nations battle now is economically. And there had to be a shift from China to the United States because it was getting too dangerous. And our, our economy could have collapsed. The next thing God spoke to me audibly was health care providers, Gestapo. Health care providers, Gestapo. He spoke that about two and a half months ago. 
Now, I personally know nurses and doctors that are the most genuinely compassionate and wonderful people I've ever met in my life who have the good of people at their heart, who sacrifice their lives, who endanger themselves many times to take care of those who are infected, those who are hurting, those who are desperately in need. So I'm not talking about individual healthcare workers. I'm talking about the system that is now under the control of a pharmaceutical industry, which is corrupt, which has the bottom dollar in view more than the good of the people. It's it's not the individuals. It's not the individuals. It's the system that is now controlled and dominated by a pharmaceutical industry that is wickedly trying to bring the human populace under their control. They'd love to get everyone on antidepressants. They'd love to vaccinate everyone and make it a continual practice and necessity. They want you under their control because they want to feed that bottom dollar figure. See, it's the system. Healthcare providers, Gestapo. I see it happening right now. I have pastor friends who have been through a hellish attack. Somebody was diagnosed as having COVID-19 that visited a church, and all of a sudden the whole church is shut down for two or three weeks. And not only that, people are sequestered or quarantined in their homes, a pastor and his wife, who never showed any symptoms. Listen, this is a Gestapo-like effort to get people, especially the church, under the control of those who are anti-church and anti-God and anti-Christ. Look up. Watch. See what God is showing you. And you'll see that it's much different than what you see in the media. I need to get back to some biblical principles. But we need to watch and pray. Watch and pray. What, what's the difference between the two? When you pray, you talk to God. Thanksgiving, adoration, petition. You talk to God when you pray. But when you watch, you wait and listen for him to talk to you. Wake up. Be vigilant. Be diligent. Because we've got a role to fill that is so important. That reminds me of Isaiah 62. Verses 6 and 7, where God said, I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day or night. You who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent and give him no rest until he establishes, until he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. That's what we're headed for. And he connects the dots between those who make mention of the Lord and those who are called to be watchmen. Watch it. Very closely, he said, I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. I'm not talking about physical Jerusalem. I'm talking about heavenly Jerusalem. See, you're citizens of heaven. And if that be so, then Jerusalem is your capital city. And God said, I've set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem, that will never hold their peace day or night. Then he said, you who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent. So anyone who has a heart to share Jesus qualifies to be a watchman on the wall. And we've got to give him no rest. In other words, keep 
the work of God going forth. Don't be hindered and don't be intimidated. Give him no rest until he establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise on the earth. Listen, the third thing God spoke to me, I told you the first thing, trade wars. I told you the second thing, healthcare providers, Gestapo. Now let me tell you the third thing because it's really scary. God spoke one word to me. He said, sequencing, sequencing. Now, I had no idea what that related to. And then I found out about the CRISPR machine and how they're cutting and splicing genes and they're experimenting even with aborted fetal tissue. And they're creating supposedly some kind of vaccine that will be injected into you that will go directly into the nuclei of your cells. All of that and much more is being done with these people who are experimenting with genetically modified organisms, even mixing the genes of humans and animals together. It's horrendous. God warned me that would be one of the worst things happening in our day. I've set watchmen on your walls of Jerusalem. There's some people who are protected. We may not be in heaven, but we're behind the walls of Jerusalem. We can make a difference in our generation. See, Habakkuk, or Habakkuk, some pronounce his name, was disturbed about the evil going on in his generation. He complained to God. Read the first chapter of that book of the Bible. And it's all about complaining because the wicked are in such positions of control and there's such dishonesty and murder and avarice and greed abounding in the land. And he's complaining, complaining, complaining to God. And then in chapter 2, he said, I'm going to stand my watch. And I'm going to set myself up on the rampart or the wall. And I will watch to see what the Lord will say to me and what I will answer when I am reproved. The New King James Version says, when I am corrected. See, he was expecting a rebuke from God. He was expecting God to be upset with him because he put out so much negativity. God, why? God, why? God, why are you allowing this to go on? And instead of getting a rebuke from God, he got a prophecy that shook the world because he watched to see what God would say to him. I believe that meant he took a protracted period of time to just wait on God and not just do all the talking, not just to pray, but to watch and pray. And listen to what God spoke. Surprisingly, at least to him, God gave him an amazing prophetic word. God said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. At the end, it will speak and will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. And then God gave a seven word prophecy that was destined to shake the world. The just shall live by his faith. Now Habakkuk did not see that prophetic word shake his generation. It went like seed into the ground. But centuries later, it came up in the writings of Paul. In Romans 1.17, he wrote, The just shall live by faith and proceeded to dismantle legalistic Judaism and show the preeminence of grace. 
And then after the surge of revival that took place during the days of the early church, it went back to seed. And about 1,500 years later, it came up again in the life of a soul-searching, God-fearing Catholic monk named Martin Luther, who was desperate to be right with God. And he read Romans 1.17, where Habakkuk 2.4 was repeated, the just shall live by his faith. Martin Luther said, I felt myself to have been reborn and to have gone through open doors into paradise. He said, this passage of Paul became to me a gate to heaven. Wow. A gate to heaven. He began to preach justification by faith. And it was the spark, or at least one of the sparks, that started a raging fire of revival called the Protestant Reformation, burning all across Europe over into the New World. And we're still being affected by it today because one man said, I'm going to watch. I'm going to set myself up on a high tower and I'm going to watch to see what the Lord will say to me. Now, if Habakkuk could do that, you and I can do that. I don't have time to go into the law of the watchman in detail. That's the law that you can find in Ezekiel chapter 3. God gave him this tremendous word. He said, Son of man, I've made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me. So the first sign of a watchman is spiritual sensitivity, hearing a word from God's mouth. Then he said, when I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at your hand. That's the second part of the law of the watchman. The first is spiritual sensitivity to the rhema word of God. The second is the awesome responsibility. Where God said, if you warn the wicked and he, and he does not turn from his wickedness nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. That's the third aspect of the law of the watchman. That's soul deliverance. You have to deliver your soul. You have to be sensitive to what God is saying to you. You have to be bold in the face of the tsunami of fear that's sweeping across the world. And then assume the responsibility, the awesome responsibility, that if we don't speak to this generation, who will? I've got one last scripture I want to share with you, but I've got to tell you the fourth thing that God told me. In the last four months, God's spoken to me audibly four times, and the fourth thing he said was, in the nick of time. I believe that could be fulfilled many ways. That there will be angelic intervention for many of the people of God in the nick of time. There will be a wave of revival in the nick of time, right before the darkness comes when no man can work. And Jesus will return again in the nick of time at the last day of this age. It's the last day. Check out John chapter 6. Jesus said, all that the Father gives me shall come to me, and I will raise him up at the last day. It doesn't happen seven years prior to the last day. Take heed that no man deceive you, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. The Antichrist has got to be revealed and make war against the saints. He can't make war against the saints if they're not here. 
read Revelation 20 verses 1 through 6. And in that passage of scripture, you'll find out those who refused the mark of the beast that were martyred as a result. These lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. And John said, this is the first resurrection. If the first resurrection contains those who were martyred during the terror reign of the Antichrist, then it certainly cannot happen seven years prior. I'm crying out as a watchman on the wall of Jerusalem. There are so many people that are going to be offended. See, he said, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. We've thought that meant the love that we have for each other, but some people are going to fall out of love with God when hard times come. And when persecution comes, they're going to say, we thought we were going to be caught up out of here seven years ahead of time. And here we are being persecuted just like the early church. Why would you think that we somehow don't deserve to suffer when they did? I don't know what's going to happen in the next few years. I do believe this is the generation of the return of Jesus. And I do believe this is one of the most important episodes I've ever shared. Because I'm crying out to you, get ready. Cry aloud and spare not, God said. Get ready. Prepare yourself. Get prayed up. Watch and pray. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming again, but not before there's great tribulation. He said, after the tribulation of those days, he shall command his angels to go to the furthest end of heaven and the furthest end of earth and to gather his elect unto him. That's when the saints come from heaven and the saints that are alive in the earth are gathered from every corner of the earth. In that great day of resurrection, when the dead in Christ shall rise first at the last trumpet, the last day, the last trumpet, the first resurrection. There's so much more I'd like to share with you, but I've said enough for this episode. You are watchmen now. Begin to tell people, get ready. The last days are unfolding before us. Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shree, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given His people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be.